Numbers 6, verses 24 to 26. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift his countenance on you and give you peace. May God bless and keep you always. May your wishes all come true. May you always do for others and let others do for you. May you grow up to be righteous. May you grow up to be true. May you always be courageous in everything you do. May God bless and keep you always. Apparent love is something that no one can explain. It is made of deep devotion and of sacrifice and pain. It is endless and unselfish and enduring come what may, for nothing can destroy it or take that love away. It is patient and forgiving when all others are forsaken, and it never fails or falters, even though your heart is breaking. It believes beyond believing when the world around condemns, and it glows with all the beauty of the rarest, brightest gems. It is far beyond defining, it defies all explanation, and it still remains a secret like the mysteries of creation. A many splendid miracle man cannot understand, and another wondrous evidence of God's tender guiding hand. Psalm 139. And I'm reading from verse 1. O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. I'm just going to spend a few moments now thinking about this passage from Psalm 139. And uh, really there's kind of three things that I want to bring out of this passage about the fact that God is the creator. And the first thing that I want to say this morning is uh, that we are joyfully made. That the birth of a new child is reason for joy. It's reason to celebrate. And the psalmist says this in Psalm 139. He says, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Giving praise to God is the right thing to do when a child is born. 
It's the right thing to do. It's a cause for joy, not just for the parents, but for friends, for family. And that's why we've gathered here today to celebrate and join in that joyful celebration. Of course, um, when God first created in creation, Genesis 1 tells us that God saw all that he had made and it was very good. God saw everything that he had made and he said, it is good. Uh, God doesn't make bad things. There are bad things that happen in the world, but God is the creator of good. And when he looked down on the creation and uh, when he created all of the world, including humanity, after each thing he created, he looked at it and he said that it was good. And he was pleased. And so we know that God is pleased with what he has created. And so again, uh, creation is a cause of celebration. The psalmist says, knitted together is how the psalmist described. This is Max Lucado uh, writing in the brand new, you, the brand new God, the God's brand new idea. Knitted together is how the psalmist described the process of God making man. Not manufactured or mass produced, but knitted. Each thread of personality tenderly interwined. Each string of temperament deliberately selected. God as creator, pensive, excited, inventive. I like that, that, uh, that you are God's brand new idea. And that every time a child is born, it's as if God has got a, a new idea. Uh, a new person comes into the world who's unique. They're not like any other person that's ever been before. And that, again, is a cause for joy and celebration. Of course, parenting, as well as being full of uh, joys and celebration, those of you that are parents or those of you that have been parents, will know that as well as being uh, a cause for great joy, that uh, parent, that uh, children can also uh, have their moments uh, when it comes to solid food. Uh, there'll be moments when as, as parents you, you just want a bit of uh, a peace and quiet and uh, children might not understand that. And then there's the teenage years. Um, I'm a parent of, uh, I was going to say two che- teenage children, but one of them has just become 20, so I've only got one uh, teenager. But the teenage years are very challenging and uh, that's something uh, that Jonathan and Claire have got to look forward to. Uh, but sometime down the road, but parenting is challenging. Uh, but it is full of joys and challenges, and uh, sometimes it can be a painful experience. But we want to recognise uh, that each child is joyfully made. The psalmist also says um, that we are fearfully made, which might seem a strange thing to say. But what the psalmist is getting at is that there's a sense in which we are in awe of God's creation. I had the joy of being uh, present at each one of my children's birth. And if you've ever been present when uh, a new child comes into this world, it is a very awe-inspiring moment. You can't really describe the feelings that you have for this newborn child. There's something of, of awe and wonder as you marvel at this little child. And so we are fearfully made. Um, I was doing a little bit of research. Did you know that there are 28 individual bones in the skull? 28 individual bones just in the skull. 
hope I've got this right because I know there are some doctors present amongst us. It takes 78 muscles for speech. You didn't realise every time you open your, your mouth and speak, you're using 78 uh, different muscles. Uh, did you know that your ears grow continually throughout your lives? That your ears continue to grow? And I don't know about you, but I've noticed, I think, I think one of my ears has grown a little bit bigger than the other. I don't know if you've, you've noticed that. You spend the rest of the time here looking and wondering which one it is. Uh, but we tend to notice things, don't we? And uh, my favourite facts, the average scalp has approximately uh, 600,000 hairs. Some of us say, you wish. (laughs) (laughs) But as as Jesus says in Matthew's Gospel, even the hairs of your head are counted by God. And uh, for some of them, there's also the sad realisation that the days of the hairs of our head are also numbered. But we, uh, we won't go there. So... We are fearfully made. There is an awe and wonder in the creation of a human being. Uh, And it is in the birth of a child that somehow we recognise that awe and wonder. The things that we take for granted every day, our our speaking, our our hair and our heads, our ability to be able to hear. Uh, We don't marvel at these things, we take them for granted. But when a child first speaks... It is a moment, isn't it, to uh, to capture. And of course now we can capture on all sorts of devices, on videos and, and uh, computers. But it's a moment, isn't it, when the child utters those first words, which are often dad for some reason. I don't know why that is. Perhaps it's easier to say than mum. Uh, but we do marvel, don't we? And we, we recognise these moments uh, in awe. Uh, and we, we want to find significance. Robert McGee, in his, in his book, The Search for Significance, he says, In the search for our significance, many of us continue to seek our security and purpose from worldly sources, personal success, status, beauty, wealth, and even the approval from others. Like in the story of uh, uh, You Are Special, Punchinello. Sometimes what people say about us, the things that we say, are so important, aren't we? And especially with children. It's so important to be positive and encouraging with our children. Because as you and I know, you know, somebody can say ten positive things to you, but if somebody says one negative thing, like, you know, they don't like your hair, or they don't like what you're wearing, that's the thing you go away remembering, isn't it? It's that negative thing. And, uh, you know, we have to be careful in, in the way that we bring up our children, giving them positive role models, encouraging them. And that's why we always present a Bible, because we want the children to know the Bible stories. We want them to know that Jesus loves them and that he welcomes children and he accepts them. And he uses a child as an example of what it means to be a person in the kingdom of heaven. He says you have to be like a small child. And so let's not look for other people for their approval, but let's look to God for his approval of how we live, because we are each fearfully made. Rick Warren, in his uh, book, The Purpose Driven Life, again thinking about the purpose of life, he says, the search for purpose of life has puzzled people for thousands of years. That's because we typically typically begin at the wrong starting point ourselves. We ask self-centred questions like, what do I want to be? What should I do with my life? What are my goals, my ambitions, my dreams for my future? By focusing on ourselves, we will never reveal our life's purpose. And he goes on to says to say, it's not about you. 
The purpose of your life is far greater than your own personal fulfillment, your peace of mind, or even your happiness. It's far greater than your family, your career, or even your wildest dreams and ambitions. If you want to know why you were placed on this planet, you must begin with God. You were born by his purpose and for his purpose. And again in Psalm 139, we get that uh, idea that we were made and created by God. And we are in awe of that. And we find our true fulfilment only when we relate our lives back to God. We are fearfully made. This is the uh, message version, a more up-to-date version. This is how it puts it. Oh yes, you shaped me. First inside, then out. You formed me in my mother's womb. I thank you, high God, your breathtaking body and soul I'm marvellously made. I worship you in adoration. What a creation. And again, when uh, we look at a small child, it's a good thing to say, isn't it? With the psalmist. What a creation. How beautiful. How fantastic. And again, in that passage, in the message version, it says, you shaped me. God shaped me. It says, you formed me. It says, you know me inside out. It says that you know every bone in my body. And it says, you know exactly how I was made, bit by bit. God knows us. Uh, There's nothing God doesn't know about you, because he is your creator. He knows everything. Uh, Some of us would rather, he didn't know everything about us, because there's some things that we don't share, because we're not proud of. But when God looks at us, he sees everything. He sees the whole of us. He knows us completely. We are fearfully made. I don't know if you've seen the, uh, the, the film Toy Story. Uh, Woody, the main character, he has uh, his owner's name on the bottom of his boot, Andy, to demonstrate the fact that he knows who he belongs to. When a child is born, each child is born of God and is fearfully and wonderfully made. And again in Genesis it says, uh, we were made in the image of God. Each one of us has that image of God within us, every single person. So we are fearfully and wonderfully made. But I guess one of the questions, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, and, and being wonderfully made uh, is a little bit different than being fearfully made. We talked about being in awe, but we're also in wonder. There's lots of things about humanity that is wonderful. Uh, Max Lucado says in his book, Cure for the Common Cold, he says, God made you unique. Secular thinking as a whole doesn't buy this. Secular society sees no author behind the book, no architect behind the house, no purpose behind or beyond life. It simply says, you can be anything you want to be. And I guess it's something that sometimes we say to our children as they're growing up, you know, what do you want to be? You can be anything that you uh, want to be. Uh, sometimes there's a, an indication of uh, a child's talents from early uh, childhood. They might show leanings towards some particular gifting or ability. Um, but I wonder whether you've ever wanted to be somebody else. Whether you've ever been uh, dissatisfied with your life. Have you ever uh, looked at other people and thought, I'd, I'd much rather have their life or, or dreamt of being uh, somebody else? Um, I'll let you into a little secret. When I was a little boy, uh, I'm the one with the ball, by the way. Uh, I always wanted to be uh, this person here. 
Uh, for those of you that are too young to know who this is, this is George Best. And he was my hero when I grew up. And I had uh, a George Best football shirt. I had George Best boots. And when I went into my back garden, I was George Best. And I'd dribble around my brother, who was most irritated by that, and, uh, and other people. And uh, that's who I wanted to be. Uh, but can you be anything you want to be or anybody you want to be? Well, of course, uh, the answer is no. And Max Lucado, again in his book, he goes on to say, you can't be your hero, your parent or your big brother. You might imitate their golf swing or hairstyle, but you can't be them. You can only be you. All you have to give is what you have been given to give. Concentrate on who you are and what you have. God never called you to be anyone other than you, but he does want you to be the best you you can be. And uh, that's what God wants you. He doesn't want you to be somebody else. Uh, he's pleased with the way he's created. You might look in the mirror and think, oh, I don't, like, I don't like me nose, or I don't like this or that. But God looks at you and he smiles at his creation because he's pleased. And he only wants you to be the person that he has created you to be. He doesn't want you to be somebody else. He wants you to be you. We can't be who we want to be. You can't be anything you want to be. You can dream, but you can't be. But you can be everything that God wants you to be. You can be everything that God wants you to be. Because God's got a plan for your life. He's got a purpose for your life. And uh, it's only when we relate back to God that we start to discover why we were created and what we were created for. We might look like our grandparents. We might sometimes act like our parents. And, uh, you know, what? very often when a new baby's born, they say, oh, doesn't he look just like his mother or father or grandfather or grandmother? I've never really got that, but uh, maybe someone can explain that to me afterwards because uh, a baby looks like a baby, doesn't he? But uh, I suppose if your grandfather's got no hair and snores or, or falls asleep during church, maybe, that's, that's so. So we're wonderfully made. We are wonderfully made. Uh, Paul says in Ephesians, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. So don't live your life apart from God. Don't live your life apart from God. I'm delighted uh, that Jonathan and Claire decided to bring uh, little Millie to church today to give thanks to God. Because by doing that, they include God in their lives. And Jesus welcomed little children. Uh, but he welcomes grown-up children and adults and grandparents as well because Jesus loves you. And uh, Jesus demonstrated God's love by dying on the cross. And uh, these are some of the things the Bible says about you. This is what Jesus and God think of you. He said, the Bible says you're beautiful, you're unique, you're loved, you're special, you were created for a purpose, you're cared for, you're lovely, you're precious, you're strong, you're important, you're forgiven, you're a new creation, you're protected, you are empowered, you are chosen, you are family. And the Bible says that God says you are mine. You are mine. And God never gives up on his children. Sometimes children go off the rail, don't they? And sometimes as parents we are exasperated by our children and uh, we, we can't force them uh, to be who we want them to be. But God never gives up on his children. And uh, Jesus told a wonderful story in the Gospels um, about a lost son who goes off and makes a, a terrible mess of his life. And it says that the father every day looked out for that child to return. Every single day. And when he did return, he threw a party and he celebrated and he got the whole family together. And God is still looking for his children to return. 
Philip Yancey in his book, What's So Amazing by Grace, says that grace means that there's nothing I can do to make God love me more, and there's nothing I can do to make God love me less. As human beings, we have a tendency, you know, to love the nice people. Some people are easy to love, uh, because they're beautiful people. They're a pleasure to be with. It's a delight when they visit us or walk into the room. Other people, and you know who you are, uh, can be a bit of a pain. Um, it's not a delight when they come to the house. It can be quite, the time, you know, the time can, can last for hours and uh, they're not a delight to be with. Uh, but isn't it good to know that God isn't like us? He doesn't look at people like we look at people. And Philip Yancey says, there's nothing that you or I can do to make God love us anymore. And there's nothing that we can do to make him love us any less. Because God is love and he loves his people completely. And he never stops loving his children. So, We are joyfully made. A new birth is a cause and a celebration. It's an opportunity to give thanks to God. We're fearfully made. There's an awe in a creation of a new child. And we are wonderfully made with all sorts of possibilities and potentials. And God wants to be involved in our lives. So if you've not involved God in your life, you know, ask God today in a prayer. God, help me to be the person you created me to be. Invite God into your life to be a part of your life because he wants to be part of your life. Let's pray together.